you're exhausted. The last couple of weeks have been a sea of boxes. A new house, a new chance, a new life. Sure, there have been some weird moments. Piles of boxes stacked only two or three high end up toppled to the floor. Okay, more like thrown, but it was probably your fault. Lights go out randomly, but it's an old house. These things happen, right? It's the doors that give you the most worry. Every night, 3 a.m. sharp, they fly open. They all fly open. Every door in the house slamming into walls, shaking the house to the foundation. And then comes the screaming, high and loud, moving through every room. You can't move. You can't even shake in the fear that courses through your veins. You black out at 3.02. This morning you woke up with your knuckles bruised and bleeding. What the hell? You bandage them up, but ultimately carry on. There's only a few more boxes left. You go down to the basement to drop off some old family photos and junk that you don't know what to do with yet. And then you spot it. Almost like a hole in the wall. Cracked stone. Looks like it's had a fight with a sledgehammer. You notice the stains around it. Something dried, dripping out of it. You go in closer for a better look. Shit, is that... Is that your blood? Suddenly you feel cold. Your legs won't move. You go rigid. You rear your head back and swing it forward. Crack! Beating your face against the wall. You can't stop. Bones crack. Cartilage snaps. Blood pours. Wall smash! Wall smash! You stop dead still in a voice that is not your own. Screams through foreign windpipes. Happy Halloween and welcome to Zombie Fishbowl Podcast. Jesus, are you okay? Maybe if I just speak really quietly, she'll calm down. So, hello and welcome to Zombie <laughs> Fishbowl Podcast. <laughs> I am Melanie, your delightfully twisted American host, and with me is the beautiful Danielle um, from merry old England. I don't know why, I, I, I don't think I've ever, I'm going with it, sorry. Hi. Hello, good morning. And good, good evening. Yes. <laughs> So, happy Halloween, my little undead fishies. I hope you have a wonderful one. We're recording this about a week before. Okay, we're lying just a few days <laughs> before we're releasing. Kind of cutting it close. Um, but, yeah, uh, I hope your Halloween is safe and spooky and you make all the right decisions. Yeah, so before we get into our topic, which, as you can assume, is f fairly rooted in the paranormal, Let's do, uh, do you have any updates? I just want to remind listeners to keep following us on social media, to rate and review. If you haven't already, tell your friends, keep the party going. We're very much still here and going strong. So any shares, recommendations, mentions, reviews all help us and bring new fishes to the fishbowl. That's Please. my only thing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> The, the fishbowl only gets more colorful if we add more colorful fishies to it. So, yes. you know, bring it in. Just bring in some life to this undead bowl. The great thing about our undead bowl is that the pH balance never goes out of whack. Yeah, yeah. It's always perfect. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and, and my only update is apparently there were some technical issues with the episode I recorded with my sister for her YouTube channel. So that one got scrapped. I do have the audio for that, so if there's any interest in it, I can upload the audio as a mini-sode here for our podcast. It's just me telling ghost stories of, of my own personal encounters, um, and that seemed to do pretty well in our last mini-sode, so if that's something you want to hear, let me know. I'll 
do that. If you want to edit it and put it up, you've got my permission. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll do it. I may need your help sort of like separating the audio from the video because I don't know how to do that. Um, but I'll totally edit it and whatnot. Um, so there's that. And there will be other opportunities for me to be on her YouTube channel. So there will be more crossover work going on there at some point. Uh, but yeah, that's that's that. Um, and yeah, so that was, that was it for my update. And sounds like we're just please, please tell your friends. Like, please. <laughs> Yeah, we don't, I don't like mean you to anymore. Beg. We want new people. <laughs> oh, I don't mean to beg, but come on. We've been doing this for over a year now. I think we're doing all right. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We could start charging you. No, we will absolutely. We'll never, yeah. No. Feel free to donate, though. I don't know. <laughs> Shall we open a coffee account? <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Do we have a purge today? Hi there, Danielle here. Uh, so Melanie asks me here if I've got a purge and boy do I. I go on a 15 minute rant and quite frankly it's boring, self-indulgent and it doesn't add or contribute <laughs> anything to the podcast and it is in no way Halloweeny or spooky or anything. So I've decided to cut it and go straight to Melanie's much funnier, much sweeter uh, purge. Um, yeah, you're not missing out on anything. Uh, enjoy Melody's Purge because it's much nicer. All right. Peace. Well, so my purge is basically I discovered something. Uh, I discovered something quite unusual last night. My boyfriend is 36 years old and he has never in his life heard the phrase a fly on the wall. And I just find that really, really, what? How have you never heard that phrase? Isn't that weird? That is really weird. What the fuck? Yeah, is where have you been? Or future or something? I don't know. He, I think he's, he's. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe he just wasn't hanging out with the cool smart people or something. I, I don't know. They're but all yeah. literal cartoons based on the very concept. Mm-hmm. I think he gets... He understands the concept, but he'd never actually heard that phrase. We were watching um, Bailey Sarian last night. You know Bailey Sarian? She's this gorgeous, gorgeous girl on YouTube. And um, every Monday she puts out a video called Murder, Makeup, and Mystery Monday. Oh, her, yes. I've just never heard her name said out loud, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we love her. And we watch her every week. And Tim's obsessed with her. Uh, and, like, every Monday. He's like, is there a new Bailey yet? Is there a new Bailey? She's uh, got a jaw. And it makes me think she does I, have a job. <laughs> if I was skinny, <laughs> I would still have my jaw and it would look somewhat reminiscent of her jaw. OK, yeah, I can see it's that. quite a large, I see robust jaw. An anthropologist would have trouble sexing me by my by my by my skull is what I'm saying. Hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's quite a robust jaw. But yeah, sorry, please continue. It's just <laughs> something that I've every time I watch her, I think she's got a very similar jaw to me, oh, but no gorgeous. fat. <laughs> I know. She's gorgeous. And the, the uh, most recent episode was about the Salem witch trials um, right. or, or one of one of the, the cases during that time. And uh, yeah, she was just like, sometimes I wish I could go back in, in time and just be a fly on the wall. And Tim's like, oh. <gasps> 
wow. Like, like she just spouted some really genius line. I'm like, oh, baby, <laughs> this is a very old line. I believe it was coined in, like, the 1920s. This line's been going around for a while. <laughs> yeah, oh, to be a fly on the wall. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's cute. Right. So, yeah, that's that's my thing. I thought that was cute and and strange. And really, I guess it brings brings into like, let's bring back. Let's really just bring into our vocabulary some really great old isms and and turns of phrase from the early 1900s, because they just had some really fucking good ones. I mean, I'm bringing what in tarnation. Yes, you did. Bless your heart. (laughs) I have been saying that to my cats. (laughs) When they're doing something or whatever, I just thought, what in tarnation? Nice. (laughs) I I speak in in old-timey terms fairly frequently. It's it's ridiculous. And but so I was shocked that I hadn't said it, that he hadn't heard it from me. Because you know, if he heard it from me, then he maybe he'd think I was a genius. <laughs> well, it's a missed opportunity here. I could have blown his mind. Oh, and you could have just not told him. Yeah, yeah. It's like no, I totally invented that. Aren't I amazing? <laughs> What's gonna happen now is that what is it called? There's like a thing that happens when you first learn something or, or hear about something, and then you start to hear it and or see it all over the place yeah it's actually called something and i can't remember what it is but now he's going to start hearing it all the time yeah yeah or he'll think of moments to use it all the time like with clueless and the word sporadic um every time i use that word and i use it fairly frequently i think of clueless you know just these things that stick in your head and, and you just kind of hold on to that moment when you first encountered it I'm sure I've got examples of that, but I just can't think of them right now. I'm sure that I've got things like that. Associations in our memory castles. Exactly. So let us breathe in hilarious and adorable turns of phrase that we can use to wow and impress all of our millennial and Gen Z friends. And uh, is it Z? Are the new ones? Right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Millennials. Are more recent than Gen Z. No, Gen uh, Z. No, we're millennials and then Gen Z comes after us. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't confuse me. All right. So let us breathe in this, this these adorable turns of phrase that we can use to impress our millennial and Gen Z friends. And let us breathe out the frustrations of having nobody truly understand and take care of us from a healthy mental place and instead of from a judgmental and and badly scienced place. Let us mm. breathe in the good. Let us breathe out the bad. One, two, three. <sighs> All right. So um, as we dive into our topic, I will hand this off to you. Yes? Uh, yes. This week's topic is possession. <sighs> So, possession, the exclusive practical control of a thing in the context of the legal implications of that control. I'm just kidding. (laughs) 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 Fuck that. No, for real. So good. No. (laughs) No. I'm just, I'm talking about some other different kind of possession. I'm talking about psychokinetic control of a person, either by the devil or by a spirit. So demonic possession, apparently, is the 
psychokinetic control of a person by the devil or other malevolent spirit or spirit possession which is the psychokinetic control of the behavior of a living thing or object by a spiritual being demonic possession involves the belief that a spirit demon or entity controls a person's actions those who believe themselves so possessed commonly claim that symptoms of demonic possession include missing memories perceptual loss of sense of control and hypersuggestibility, whereas spirit possession is the supposed control of a human body by spirits, aliens, demons, or gods. Now, if anyone can explain to me the difference, I would be very much obliged. I think that the that spirit possession doesn't necessarily have to be bad, whereas with demonic possession, you're fucked. Yeah. It's not very clear from those short definitions, but I think that might be right. But that's based on my own cultural knowledge of the two, and it's not based on those definitions that I found because they're pretty bloody similar, to be quite honest with you. Anyway, in a 1969 study funded by the National Institute of Mental Health, in a sample of 488 societies in all parts of the world, spirit possession beliefs were found to exist in 74%, with the highest numbers of believing societies being in the Pacific cultures and the lowest instance among Native Americans of both North and South America. The concept of spirit possession exists in many religions, including Christianity, Buddhism, Haitian voodoo, Wicca, Hinduism, Islam, and Southeast Asian and African traditions. Possession manifests in lots of different ways in all these different cultures, and I simply don't have the space to explore all of them right now. But in essence, they all share the same theme. A supernatural entity takes control of the body of a living thing or inanimate object for various reasons, from malevolent to mundane, and you should probably seek the help of a spiritual expert in order to get rid of it. It is also a really good concept for a movie in case anyone listening needs a new fresh idea for their spring <laughs> screenplay. So that's basically the sort of abridged summary. <laughs> summary. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, and, and like, I would just want to state for the record yeah, not all possessions are bad. Mm. So, like, when, when you think of possession, you think of demon, evil spirits, or even like mind and body control through wicked witches and voodoo curses. Um, but the Bible specifies that possession is when a spirit or entity, usually evil, occupies, occupies, dominates, or controls a person from within it. But I have met dozens of people in Judeo-Christian faith that often call on angels to enter their bodies to heal and deliver, deliver messages. Now, that sounds like possession to me. Mm, yeah. Right? For sure. Um, and as a medium... And I and many like me tell the spirits that we encounter how best to interact with us. Now, it could be through audio or visual, but most often it's through touch and influence. So, like, we feel a tug here or a pull there, or visions will come into our mind's eye that give us insight as to what we're dealing with. And it's through this kind of communication we see and feel the situation in a bigger picture format, like in HD. Um, and that makes us more effective in moving spirits on or understanding the best way to clear or cleanse a space. Like, both of those are sort of examples of willful possession, you know, we we opted for it. We we asked for it for a purpose. You know, mm. so so not all not all possessions bad. That's that's for sure. But yeah, that's that's just my little like. I just wanted to interject a little bit of positive, little positive pagan wing. <laughs> Side no. note. 
That's okay. I just, for some reason, on my little sort of skimming along the surface of the de- for the definition, it literally was just like really quite bog standard and basic, and it it didn't really go into the different and diverse ways that one could be possessed. But I knew that we could explore that in the podcast, so <laughs> yeah, 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 I didn't need to. You know what I mean? So, but yeah, no, I I sort of was trying to look at these two definitions that are are the most predominant ones that you can find and I thought well they sound really similar and they don't really gel with my knowledge of or understanding of what western possession is like I can't really speak for different kinds of possessions in different cultures but in terms of sort of western eurocentric kind of so spirit possession usually happens um like 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 I said like during a uh a walk through a, a haunted house type situation, medium situation, um, like spirits by influencing you, it's like a form of possession by, by touching you, by giving you things that you see in your head. It's, it's not full body control, but it is an act of influence and is therefore technically like possession. Demonic possession, I think is way more specific to people who believe in the devil mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So people who maybe in other countries and other cultures who don't have that God, devil, angel, demon archetype the way that we do, you know, not me specifically, obviously, but as, you know, uh, more European Western cultures do, they have they have more creatures. They have a different kind of more like in the yokai type realm. They could be anything, Mm -hmm. but they're not hell demons kind of thing. What they experience more often are spiritual possessions, uh, spirits of the dead trying to relay messages or to not so much find their own peace, but sort of like act out a way that their spirit can move on. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Whereas de- demonic possession, that very, very specific to Christians and Catholics and, and people in the Judeo-Christian faiths because they already have this sort of archetype. They have this idea of if it enters the body, it is evil, and and it flushes itself out from there. Yes, that's, that's what I've noticed. I like it. <laughs> so I have a couple cases, but I don't know if sh- I should do my cases first, or I want to hear your bit first. Mm, your bit's gonna be better, so I'll go first, and then we can end it on your better bit. <laughs> okay. Put yourself down, my love. I know. Let's just get through it. We'll all be all right in the end. Don't worry. <laughs> so although there's a great diversity that we're just talking about and variety of cultures from which I could choose, I've chosen to go with all Catholic demonic possession for my bit. So I'm pretty much a one-trick pony here. I have just watched The Exorcist 2, The Heretic, so it was kind of in my head. <laughs> so... Tens of, th- tens of thousands of cases of demonic possession and exorcisms were recorded throughout Christian Europe, starting in the early 15th century and peaking some 200 years later. If we take this overwhelming documentary evidence at face value, it would seem that medieval Europe was seized by a mass epidemic of witchcraft and demonic possession. And it is with this in mind that we ponder, how does one get diagnosed with a case of the devil? Well... Here's a step-by-step guide. Nice. One, context is key. 
medieval times and things are all old and spiky looking and probably smells like poo. Magic is all around you as well as the divine power and the devil himself walks the earth. It's totally real and everybody says so. It governs everything you do, say, think and all the natural and supernatural events in the world ever. You believe this and your neighbours believe this. Or at least you think you do and they think you do and you think that they do. Obviously, yeah. people are more complex and free thinking than the picture that I'm painting. But basically, if you were to look up what, quote, what we all think is pretty much the way things are in the medieval times, end quote, you'd come up with a lot of stuff about Holy Spirits, witches, devils and the power of the church. And these things called humours. Oh, yeah. Yes. Humorism or humoral theory was a system based on Hippocratic medicine. You know, the Greek dude from the ancient times, which explained the makeup and workings of the human body. It was believed that the four humors needed to be in balanced proportions in amount and strength in order for a body to be healthy. Imbalance and separation of humors leads to diseases. The four humors were blood. Uh, the blood was believed to be produced exclusively by the liver and it was associated with a sanguine nature, which is enthusiastic, active and social, which is basically all the nice things. Yellow bile. Access of yellow bile was thought to produce aggression and excess anger can cause liver instability and imbalances in the humours. So if you've got extra yellow bile, you get angry, which would affect your liver, which affects your blood, which affects your activity. So you're out of balance. Yeah. Uh, and then there's black bile. Depression was attributed to excess black bile secreted by the spleen. Cancer was also attributed to an excess of black bile concentrated in a specific area. Fun fact, the word melancholy derives from the Greek melena coli, which means black bile. Oh, oh, I love it. That's good. Learning a thing. <laughs> and finally, phlegm. Not to be confused with phlegm. <laughs> well, phlegm was thought to be associated with apathetic behaviour. So, not caring about shit. Yeah. So, there is a whole bunch of stuff on the humours, which were basically the foundation of medicine for a really bloody long time. And I would love to get into it, but it, it deserves its own episode, so I've added it to our list. Nice. And we'll move on, because the four humours are fun. So, why did I even bring up the humours? Okay. So because rather than wielding truly supernatural powers, the devil and his demons were understood to be restricted to working within nature, which they often did in ways that escaped human understanding. These natural powers included the ability to manipulate the four humours. This meant that even any natural illness, in theory, could be hiding the hand of the devil as its primary cause. That said, the possibility of demonic agency would not usually be considered unless natural medicines first proved ineffective. But still, ineffective medicine was not taken uncritically to indicate a demonic cause. So we're not calling them foolish. Yeah. We'll go, I'm going to go more into that in a little bit. So, step two. Recognise your symptoms. You need to be pretty sure you're possessed before you go around asking people about it because everyone is very, very busy being cold and miserable. In addition to psychological symptoms, 
such as intense physical pain, uncontrollable convulsions, sudden or temporary blindness, deafness or muteness, periods of rigid paralysis of the body, periods of limpness or extreme weakness, manifestation of supernatural, superhuman, sorry, strength, and or vomit in copious amounts of bile or strange objects like pins, shards of glass, entire knives, live eels. I hate when that happens. Mm. You also need to have some physiological shit going on. Sorry, that was the physiological shit. You also <laughs> need to have psychological shit going on. I don't want to do it again. You... We got you. Yeah. Now we're talking about the psychological stuff. You need this stuff as well. So you need to tick these boxes. You need to have the demonstrated hidden knowledge, like revealing the secrets and sins of other people in your vicinity that you couldn't have possibly known, or of events that happened elsewhere in places in times that you've not been present. Uh, blasphemous rage. That sounds like a brilliant name for a metal band. Just gotta say. Oh, why didn't we go with that for our high school band? <laughs> Blasphemous rage. Blasphemous rage. Uh, uh, blasphemous rage includes obscene hand gestures, using profanity, and an aversion to holy symbols and names, relics, or places. Now, I know you're all envisioning the Exorcist right now. There's, there's nothing you can do to not be thinking about that scene. Yeah. yeah. But that's basically it. Um, also, apparent powers of precognition and divination, like declaring prophecies that come true. And some xenoglossy, which is the official word for speaking in a unlearned language. Nice. nice. So you could speak in an unlearned language with a strange vocal alteration or accents. That's also really good. That's like a bonus. So that's your old speaking in tongues. But, extra you points. Know, extra points for accents. You could be suddenly French and you've got a French accent, but you're also speaking in French. And I don't know French, so I can't continue with that particular line of humour. But anyway... <laughs> Despite all these extraordinary symptoms, the diagnosis of demonic possession is still not always straightforward. So number three, you need to see your GP. Yes, really. <laughs> While the activity of the devil might be a speciality of the priest, the symptoms associated with demonic possession also require the physician's expertise to investigate the potential for purely natural causation. As I said before, they needed to rule out all the natural possibilities. Physical convulsions, for instance, were also associated with natural diseases such as epilepsy, which was already understood to be unpredictable, chronic and potentially incurable. So don't be writing off those doctors thinking that they're dumb and they're just going to prescribe you with ghosts and give you cocaine. There are some things that they do now. Yeah, for but I'm sure that there were a lot of them who are just all like, no, it's ghosts. It's just totally ghosts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we're going to talk about that. For physicians, demonic agency was not simply an explanation for inexplicable illness. It was one of the many possible explanations for illnesses that might in other cases have been diagnosed as purely, purely natural. So basically this tells us as much about the diverse ways in which the devil was thought to operate and the ways in which complicated, it, like the concept of the devil complicated medicine at the time. And it also tells us that when medicine failed to provide an answer, the devil was blamed. So there was always a bit of an out. It's a bit of an injustice, really. I've tried all of these other explanations. I can't find any reason. It's the devil. It's the devil. Here's some cocaine. Yeah, exactly. So I'm saying you got to have a good doctor. But like today, 
medical diagnosis in the medieval times was beset with obstacles. Learned physicians were rare and fucking expensive. And in fact, most healing took place in the home anyway, among neighbours and just people you knew. So maybe you can't even go see a doctor anyway, even though you probably should. But the only option open to you is probably to go see a priest so step 3.2 see your priest yeah so you think you're possessed and you can't see a doctor because either cash or you haven't got one close by or you don't want to because he might not even be able to tell you if it's the devil or a disease or you don't want to be told you have an incurable disease yeah you just you just avoid the doctor and you go straight to your priest. So you rock up to your local Catholic church and ask for the manager. The devil is more his thing anyway, and also he's much nicer and might have some fun solutions you haven't thought about to try. Plus, the boundaries between um, ecclesiastical healing and, quote, modern medicine were far more fluid than the term priest and physician might suggest. They're practically the same thing anyway, right? Sometimes the priest would even give you medicine your doctor would have given you. So you've just skipped the middleman and you feel much better about it because the priest can treat your soul as well as your body. So now you're in the presence of your trusted God's representative on earth and you've told him all the symptoms you've been having and the problems and and you're safe in the knowledge that he's going to take real good care of you. This isn't going to hurt one bit and before you know it, you'll be back on your feet, fit and ready to go back to work in no time, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Now, exorcisms are a whole other subject, so... In part two of this guide, I will guide you through treatments and cures of the old devil, but that'll have to wait until exorcism comes up as a topic in its own right. I tease you because I love you. <laughs> and that's 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 how to get diagnosed with the devil. Ah, that was awesome. I don't know why you were shitting on yourself for that, because that was fantastic. Thanks. <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> the thing that I got the most out of that was that... Uh, the the devil was actually a part of the toolbox not toolbox but the possible answers uh, that a doctor or physician had for just any sort of medical issue yeah yeah because the devil could fuck your humors up so even if it was a uh, a natural illness so to speak like uh, let's think of something quite I don't know syphilis and <laughs> You don't get you syphilis. You didn't do it. Yeah, you you know, that's, I don't even know if that's a very good example, but let's just say so you've got syphilis and the doctor diagnoses you with syphilis and he's treating you and nothing is working um, and whatever. But at some point, the doctor could even just say to you, you know how you got syphilis? It wasn't that prostitute you shagged. It was the devil. It was the you devil, know? yeah. <laughs> so it, it just... Um, but at the same time, they weren't they were they, they weren't so quick to do that. They weren't just automatically going, "Oh, I don't understand what's going on with this person. It must be the devil." But I'm sure you they know, probably were. It's it's nice to know that there were at least a handful of doctors back then that that wanted to take that extra step to make sure that it might be just purely physiological, something that they could treat. Um, because yeah, you have it in your head that back then it was just all like. Oh, you're you're weak. It's the devil. Oh, okay, you're throwing up. It's the devil. Like we just kind of have this idea of of that level of superstition. And while it was definitely there, you forget that there was also you know people were trying to understand medicine and trying to understand science to a certain degree. Um, and and so there there were other 
there were other steps before going straight to the priest in some cases. In some cases. And also there were times where people would sort of like end up with the church and they were having these issues and the church would call the doctor. So you would call in the priest because your daughter or son is acting peculiar and they've come and they've gone, hmm, yeah, I'm going to get my mate, Dr. Smith, over here to have, <laughs> have a look because I know that he can sometimes sort this out before it, it escalates. Yeah. Um, I think that they had like a, a, a pretty good understanding of, of what they would consider madness in terms of like what we would call mental illness. So I think they knew that some people don't have it. You know, some people have issues and it's it's very easy to paint everybody in the past with this big ignorant brush. But there were pretty smart people knocking about. Obviously, we are we are we are the results of those people. We are an amalgamation of the knowledge that they have gathered. And in theory, we are meant to continue on this path of gaining knowledge and getting better and better and better. But we seem to have stagnated. But let's not. Yeah, it's yeah. Not, like, it's not gone backwards, but let's not get off on a thing. Um, it also talks about I wanted to talk about a little bit about the agency of the people themselves, but I don't really need to go. I think it's the points made that not everybody believed that the devil did everything. Um, it it's so easy because of the predominant idea, but we know what the predominant idea of our society is right now, and there's plenty of fucking people that don't yeah, yeah. subscribe to we, it. So. We can all paint the uh, paint Americans in one brush right now, and it's still not totally true or accurate to the the scene as a whole so you know it's 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 the same way with humans in all times and in all places that said they were pretty fucking godsend like i mean they oh, yeah yeah were. <laughs> Ooh, god and the devil but yeah, yeah. So. well so in my turn your turn Okay, so um, I was going to start with the, the more positive story, so I think I'll end with the more positive one. We'll start here with Annalise Michel, who is, I'm sure, okay, if you love horror as much as I do, um, I'm sure you have seen The Exorcism of Emily Rose, right? One, one of my favorite uh, possession movies, mainly because of the focus on that sort of, you know, was it mental illness? Was it the devil? That that whole battle, which is just so intense and, and just, it, it really hurt. It hurt me to watch as who does suffer from mental illness and who has been really into this sort of, uh, not lore, but just, just the world of the paranormal. I, I thought that was just really fucking incredible. And so I learned that that movie was loosely based on uh, Annalise Michel, who was a young girl, a young German woman, born in uh, September 21st, 1952. Um, and she was in... So, okay, just just as a... As an ahead, I have not written anything down here for her. I just read like 20 articles last night and I'm just going off of what I remember and the pages that I have pulled up for details. Okay. So if I seem a little all over the place, I apologize in advance. 
There's going to be a quiz at the end of the podcast. Yeah, no shit. So Annalise Michelle, actually born Anna Elizabeth Michelle, um, was born in Bavaria, uh, and she was from an extremely Catholic family, very religious, went to mass twice a week, was a very good, sweet, kind, devout girl. Um, When she was 16, she experienced a seizure, and it would be the first of many. She was eventually diagnosed with with psychosis caused by temporal lobe epilepsy. And from on, she was on a bunch of medications. So, I mean, they genuinely did try very, very hard to treat her for her temporal lobe epilepsy. Because of that, it does tend to come with video, uh, visual and audio hallucinations. So it's just you are prone to seeing and hearing shit. And they heard her on so many medications. She was diagnosed with depression. She was treated in psychiatric hospitals more than once, I think up to four times. Um, she did eventually end up going to college. Uh, let's see. She ended up going to, in 1973, Michelle graduated and joined the University of Würzburg, and her classmates would describe her as withdrawn and very religious, because as the epilepsy progressed, the treatments weren't working, um, she just withdrew. She just kind of curled into herself, and her symptoms got worse, more seizures. It got to the point that in uh, 1970, she suffered a third seizure at a psychiatric hospital, and they prescribed her anti-convulsion drugs for the first time, uh, including Dilantin. Um, She was on chlorpromazine, Alept, um, basically medications used to treat psychosis and schizophrenia. It was getting really, really intense. Um, As time progressed, by 1973, uh, she was starting to have hallucinations while praying. She would complain that she was hearing voices telling her that she was damned and would rot in hell. Uh, Her treatment in the psychiatric hospital did not improve her health health or her depression. Long-term treatment didn't help either, and she grew increasingly frustrated with the medical intervention taking pharmaceutical drugs for five years. She eventually became... Like like you mentioned, she couldn't stand the sight of religious relics or icons. The cross hurt. Even coins that had pictures of saints on them would burn her eyes. They blared so bright. She couldn't walk onto uh, sacred soil. So going to a churchyard, to a cemetery, anywhere blessed, she would say that it was physically burning her feet. There was one time her Michelle went to San Damiano with a family friend, uh, who regularly like sort of organized these Christian uh, pilgrimages and her escort concluded that she was suffering from demonic possession because she was unable to walk past a crucifix and refused to drink the water of a Christian Holy Spring. And here's, here's a quote from her, uh, from this, this priest that eventually tried to help her. It said, Annalise told me and Frau Hein confirmed this, that she was unable to enter the shrine. She approached it with the greatest hesitation, then said that the soil burned like fire and she simply could not stand it. She then walked around the shrine in a wide arc and tried to approach it from the back. She looked at the people who were kneeling in the area surrounding the little garden, and it seemed to her that while praying, they were gnashing their teeth. She got as far as the edge of the little garden that she had to turn back. Coming from the front again, she had to avert her glance from the picture of Christ in the chapel of the house. She made it several times to the garden, but could not get past it. She also noted that she could no longer look at medals or pictures of saints. They sparkled so immensely that she could not stand it. So after being treated for five, six years, thoroughly, you know, really trying to go the medical route, her family and her community were like, you know, 
I think this is possession. This, this isn't working. Your way isn't working. So they consulted several priests and they asked, asked for an exorcism. And the priests declined, recommending that they should still seek out medical treatment. And they informed the family that exorcisms required a bishop's permission. Because in the Catholic Church, it is so hard to get an exorcism. It just is. Yeah. It is easier to find a shaman to perform and uh, cleansing and, and to to release spirits from your property than it is to get the Catholic church to bring in people to perform an exorcism. Um, <clears throat> but eventually they did manage to get a priest Ernst Alt and another friar, I believe to perform such a thing. Now this, they worked on her for over a year. It was awful she eventually at one point refused to eat or drink anything saying that it, she would be martyring herself so poor annalise over the course of 10 months okay so it's not a year it's 10 months she endured 67 rites of exorcism which is fucking crazy mm -hmm. this poor girl she there are um photos of her throughout this process there is audio of her um, speaking through, uh, with the demon speaking through her, um, she would do things like she would lick her own urine off the floor. She peed everywhere. She ate flies, spiders, and coal. She bit off the head of a dead bird. Um, in one instance, she crawled under a table and barked like a dog for two days straight. She could often be heard screaming through the walls, tearing off her clothes. It was brutal. She was made to do genu she was made to genuflect, which is to kneel, to to fall on your knees in prayer. She ended up breaking her knees and tearing the ligaments from performing over six genuflections that she would perform obsessively during each exorcism session. She was so young, okay? She was about 22 at this time during this 10 month period. She looked like she looked like somebody out of a concentration camp. Her her eyes were blackened. Her body was skeletal because, again, she wasn't eating. She wasn't drinking. The only part of her brain that felt like her was telling her that that was the only way to end this. Um, because, you know, because of her religious standing, she couldn't kill herself. So this was a form of martyrdom. There was no doctor present during any of this. Once they decided that they were going to, you know, the doctors obviously weren't working and they went strictly with the, the exorcism route. Uh, yeah, no doctors came in at any point. <clears throat> On June 30th, 1976, during her last rite of exorcism before her death, too weak and emaciated to perform the genuflections on her own, Annalise's parents stood and helped carry her through the motions of falling to her knees in prayer. Now, <laughs> she ended up passing away at the age of 23. Um, they say that they finally cured her and were able to get the spirits out about a week before she actually died of severe dehydration and malnourishment. Her last words was when she she said to the exorcists, beg for absolution. And to her mother, she said, mother, I'm afraid. These were her last words. This is a real thing that happened. And what ended up happening was that her parents and the priests involved were all charged for negligent homicide. 
-hmm. in Germany. Now, they didn't actually have to carry out full terms. I think they were sentenced to five or five to six years in prison. They only served a few months because they felt that they had suffered enough having gone through this um, because it is it's it's so tragic. It's so sad. And like I, I just look at the pictures and I just want to cry. Like, my heart breaks for this girl. When it comes to uh, who was possessing her or what was possessing her, she said that there were a multitude of demons in her. There was Lucifer. There was Hitler. Oh, where was she possessed by? There's there's a list. Ah, demon. What's her list? But basically, there were about five different demons that were in her. There was there was Lucifer. There was Bilal, I believe. Um, and there was Hitler. And what's really fascinating is I listened to the audio and you can hear her pulling like a Smeagol and just arguing with the different voices inside of her head. It was so, so intense and so sad. Do I believe that she was actually possessed? I don't know. I don't think so. But I mean, faith is such a funny thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, and and nobody wanted her to go through this. She did not want to go through this. Now, I know that there are people out there that will fake being possessed. And a lot of that comes from, from our, I think, our human need for attention and whatnot. Mm. But what she went through was was such hell. There's there's no no fragment of the human brain or body that wants to go through what she went through. So what she believed, I believe she believed, I believed all of them believed that 1000%. Mm. You know, nobody was trying to pull one over on anybody here. This was, this was all faith-based and mental illness. And it is insane. Such an insane case. Yeah. I don't doubt that everybody involved believed that what they were doing was the right thing to do. There's some people that sit in the camp that go that actually the it, it, she was actually a victim of abuse and neglect and that she was being deliberately abused by her parents. And it's very easy to draw those conclusions based on the state of her. Yeah, uh, yeah. However... There is enough evidence to suggest that she believed that she was possessed herself. Whether that was mental manipulation by the parents, I have no idea. But superficially, I just think that everybody, including her, believed that she was possessed by the devil because they had yeah. exhausted all medical options and they'd been failed by the um, doctors and by that community. And they turned to their faith because, like you say, faith is that thing that it's just so important to people that they convinced themselves that because the doctors couldn't help, it must be, it must be well, God yeah. that, that when would all, have to when help. When all else fails, you know, mm -hmm. you, you have God. Her parents didn't want that for her, like at all in any well, way. There's, there's, there's some people that say that their her parents were dodgy, that they made some decisions that were counterintuitive. However, I also empathize with people and understand that in traumatic situations, you don't always make logical choices. Yeah, absolutely and, not. <laughs> you know, you don't know how 
other people are being influenced sorry how other people have influenced people's decisions you don't you don't you're not there it's not you're not the one living that life and living those circumstances yes I think that they did make some dodgy decisions at some points I think there was ideas behind well why did they prevent doctors from coming and helping because there were doctors offering as far as mm-hmm. I understand that there were doc- doctors going at least let us be there in case she gets hurt we can treat her for wounds you know to, or you know like let me just um if there's anything that I can medically treat I'll be there for her and they were going no you can't be here there were periods yeah. of time where nobody saw her and it was just you were going off the words the word of the parents so there's a lot of circumstances around it enough that they were that they that they were went to jail for negligence yeah. there was enough evidence to just suggest something dodgy was going on well yeah, they, oh, the I'm main the... reason they went into went to jail and the re- main reason that they were sentenced is because it was decided that if they had just taken her to get forcefully fed a week before she passed she would have survived there were steps that could have been taken, yeah, and had they had medical intervention, those would have been given to them as options. But um, I'm, I definitely don't think that it was the devil. But you know that 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 would be how I would I would 100%. But I don't think that I'm sorry, but I think that they thought that it was. So well, yeah, the reality and... of the situation is that they believed that she was possessed by some kind of demonic entity, some malevolent spirits, and they were treating it thusly. Scientifically speaking, or medically speaking, she had some kind of mental illness that was, yeah. even in the 70s, I mean, sorry, in the 70s was still not not understood or known. They were still doing lobotomies for Pete's sake so yeah, yeah. we still have a, we still have we still have a lot of progress sorry I, wrong word we still have a lot of things to learn about yes. our bodies and about the medical uh, treating our treating our bodies um and in the 70s it was it, I mean come on guys yeah no, <sighs> there they, are limitations they... there are limitations well, what's what's interesting to me is, you know, when looking into possession cases, how many claim to be possessed by the devil, right? Like mm-hmm. Lucifer, the devil. And, you know, just from a logical standpoint, uh, I mean, that's just it's n- no. <laughs> I mean, it, the devil, he's a busy guy. You know, I just don't think he's going to be entering all of these people's minds and spirits like that. But one thing that I... I take away from my own experiences as a medium and doing this whole thing is that there are things out there, right? Non, not dead people spirits, but other things. And they will present themselves to you in the best way that you understand it. So if you're Catholic or Christian and they want to really fuck you up, they're going to present themselves as the capital L Lucifer, Mm. you know, and they're not, but that's how they present themselves to you because that is the best way to get the most fear out of you yeah, and out of those talked, around you. I think we've either talked about this on the podcast before or had a conversation privately yeah. about the fact that you manifest your own fears in a way. I think it might have been when we were talking about uh, like mirrors that set environments off or whatever. I can't even remember. But you sort of manifest your own fears and sort of uh, your your culture will influence your fears and yeah, your context your faith yeah, your yeah. 
what you have in your head as that sort of like index of what you know, they'll present themselves to that to you based on that. And like like with uh, uh, the host that we just watched, this great, great movie made during quarantine on Shudder. Just, just host. Not just the host. host. Sorry. The host the is host. a Korean film. <laughs> yeah, it's an oh, no, awesome Korean monster movie. Yes. But no, host. Um, you know, the, this this all kind of happened because, you know, somebody sort of made fun of a thing, but also at the same time, made fun of ghosts, but at the same time gave it a face, and like made up a face for it. And that's how it presented itself, because it was just mm-hmm. looking for a door. It was just looking for any way to show up. And you give it you give it a empty mask and it runs with it. That's what happens a lot of the time. In my experiences, what I've encountered have never I've never encountered a Christian devil or a Christian demon. Because I've encountered... you would find it absurd. Because you would find it absurd because that's not what you believe is in existence. But but if I saw one, I would go, okay, dude, if that's a Christian demon, man, I'm like <laughs> I'll, I'll totally believe in the big G. I totally will. Like I will turn my act around because I'm seeing, I'm experiencing sort of proof of that. Mm. But what I tend to experience are things waiting to take form to fuck you up um, or dead people spirits. These, these are pretty much, and you know, like residual energies and shit like that. But when it comes to things that are more interactive, I find things that are looking for form or I find dead people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've never come across anything that was specifically a demon or the devil. I'll say demon for lack of a better word, because everybody can understand what that means in context. Mm-hmm. But but it's not a Christian demon. It's it's a thing. And And so if this were real, if this really were a possession, it would have been by a thing um, fucking them up from a very religious place. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and and just that that amount of fear, that amount of faith, that amount of insane energy would invite something. You know, and, and the fact that she had those those physical reactions and aversions to religious iconography, to religious things. I mean, I, I think it's all very fascinating. I think it's all excruciatingly sad. Mm. Um, and yeah, I mean. The fact is, is that they tried for so long using medical intervention, psychiatric hospitals, all the different medications that you could pump into a kid. And it was only making things worse. What else did they have left to believe in? Yeah, I don't blame them at all. If if the circumstances around what happens um, are how you've presented it here, which is a, very empathetic to them. I, I don't blame them for getting themselves into that mess. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. The only thing I blame them for is not letting doctors be part of yeah, the sh- thing. Yeah, that's that you should always have that little voice in your head that goes, Yeah, but you know, let's think about this logically. Because and obviously also, I'm sorry. After the after the fiftieth exorcism, I don't think it's gonna take, you know. Like Yeah. There's there's that sort of you know they they, they went quite extreme there. Um so, I mean, I d- respectfully, I don't believe in in demonic or spiritual possession in this context. Um, I, d- I don't generally believe in it anyway. But mm-hmm. when things like this happen, 
through your explanation, I believe it then disproves the concept of possession in itself. It's kind of to say that you manifest your own worst enemy Mm-hmm. is is to actually kind of disprove that your enemy exists because you've manifested it so my my sort of um my takeaway and my thing about possession is that it is simply a loop like a feedback loop of mm. you being mentally ill and then people feeding into or people <laughs> society influences beliefs identity everything feeding into that mental illness and creating a feedback loop in which you are um unable to break the cycle of making it uh worse and worse and worse and worse for yourself because you're just constantly believing the worst you know what i mean and you're feeding Mm -hmm. into it and people are so once emily but what's her real name Annalise. Annalise had decided that she believed, and once her family had decided that they believed that it was the devil, then there was no stopping it. Yeah. It, because it became just, it literally just over and over. But what it is, what it is, is it was schizophrenia, it was some kind of mental illness, it was yeah. something, it was triggered. Now, as we all know, the devil can influence the humours. So maybe he did create the mental illness in which she suffered in order to possess her, but he was never there because we know the devil was a trickster. Mm-hmm. So maybe he never even had to possess her body in the first place. He just had to make her think that he did. Yeah. And yeah. watch the show. I I wish that there was an audible way to portray the hands up in the air as in like a maybe type what? Just yeah. The the Conan that's, O'Brien that's heavy shrug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like that that story is super, super sad. Because yeah, her her own mental illness um just fueled mm-hmm. the whole thing and and just took it to the worst worst outcome you could possibly imagine it is a tragedy and it is yeah. um rare thank goodness yes absolutely um now with this case yes i do believe that it was mental illness do i believe that possession can and does occur yes i actually do um but again rare and often fed by your own faith and perspective uh yeah. but so I got the gnarly one out of the way. Do you want a slightly more lighthearted one? Yeah, as long as it's short, I'm hungry. Okay, yeah, it shouldn't take long. <laughs> All right. It's tea time in England, just so I'm <laughs> So for a slighter, slightly lighter note, let's go to India. Now, in India, being possessed is not only considered to be moderately common, but it's also kind of a gift at times. I'm sure there are exceptions to this positive attitude to being possessed, but overall, there seem to be some benefits. It is called possession syndrome or hysterical possession. Basically, the theory is that the spirit of a recently deceased individual enters the body of a living person. Sometimes it's a demon, sometimes, but very rarely. Mostly, it's the spirit of another person. Now, how is this considered a gift? Well, when someone else's spirit enters into you, it's believed that you now have knowledge that you did not previously. Some people are said to suddenly be able to speak dialects or adapt accents that they previously did not know or have. If you get possessed by a carpenter or a dancer, suddenly you may find that you have a whole new skill set that you never had before. 
the possessed person would now have knowledge of a whole other person's life and death to quote a study i read and yes i pulled a danielle and read a <laughs> read a thing i'm like so actual, proud i know right um and the thing is called just let me find the name uh i read it's a it's called a case of possession type in india with evidence of paranormal Printed in the Journal of Scientific Exploration in 1989 by Ian Stevenson, Satwant Pastrika, and Nicholas McLean Rice. Okay? I have... What, what's the word? Uh, Google Scholar? I don't know. <laughs> references? I have a reference. Oh, she has All a right. reference. I got a reference. Uh, so to quote the, the case that I read... The study arises of whether some ostensibly possessed persons show knowledge about the life of a deceased person that they could not have obtained normally. We think that in a small number of cases, the subjects do show such knowledge. Cases of this kind are rare, and it's sufficiently well-known in India so that the Hindi word parakaya pravesh, entering into another body, exists for designating these cases. So the case I read is specifically about a woman named Sumitra Singh. So what these people did is they they went into India and they they knew that this was prevalent enough, but they wanted to write a proper case study about it. So they found one that was happening in real time. And they did all these research. They interviewed everybody. They they were really, really thorough. It's actually a pretty, pretty good article. Um, so. Sumitra Singh, a young married woman and mother of one. She was 17 years old, living in the village of Sharifpura in early 1985. It started with lapse of consciousness, with eye roll movements and clenching of teeth. Sometimes she would speak during these trances, and at one point in July, she predicted that she would die three days later. As predicted, on July 19, 1985, she indeed stopped breathing. Her pulse stopped dead, and her, pace, her face went pale. Her family and the other villagers considered her deceased. The family began to prepare for her funeral and were beginning to grieve when unexpectedly she sat right back up. To do another quote here. Um, Following a period of brief confusion, Sumitra began to behave like a different person. She did not recognize the people around her and said that her name was Shiva and that she had been murdered by her in-laws at a place called Dibyapur. She rejected Sumitra's husband and child and asked to be taken into Shiva's taken to Shiva's two children. She stated many details that were subsequently found to correspond with the life of another young married woman, Shiva Duedi, who had died violently, whether for murder or suicide, it's still unclear. At Dibyapur on the night of May 18, 1985, that is two months before Sumitra's apparent death and revival. Now Shiva, the girl who, who passed away from murder or suicide, her parental family believed that her in-laws had murdered her and then attempted to simulate suicide by laying her body on railroad tracks nearby. So this was an actual case that happened about 100 kilometers away from this very small village that this girl lived in. They found this woman on a railroad track, dead, but had no bodily injury that would occur at having been ran over by a train. Her body was fully intact. She was just there laying on a track. Mm. Now, Sumitra's in-laws said that they knew nothing of a Shiva who died in a place called Dibyapur. They thought that Sumitra had gone insane or had become possessed by a pissed-off spirit. It was a couple of months later when the father of the woman who was killed learned of Sumitra and came to visit this woman who was rumored to have been possessed by his daughter. When she saw him, she ran to him and called him father. She went and visited him over the course of a few days and could recognize and name at least 13 members of Shiva's friends and family. Another quote. In addition to Sumitra's statements about the life of Shiva and her recognitions of persons Shiva had known, she showed a marked change in behavior. 
Sumitra's family belonged to the Thacker caste, and, and so they were villagers. So the girl who's possessed, she belonged to a villager caste with almost no education. Um, she could barely read and write. She was barely literate. The Dropathis, on the other hand, uh, Shiva, the woman who was found on the railroad track, she came from the Brahmins, which is like a middle-class urbanite caste. Her father, Ramsaya, was a lecturer in a college, and Shiva had been educated up to the level of earning a BA degree. After her revival, after coming back from the dead, basically, Sumitra's behavior changed from that of a simple village girl to that of a moderately well-educated woman of a higher caste and more urban manners, and now she could read and write Hindu fluently. She also dressed differently. She wrapped her sari differently. She wore sandals out of the house, which was very uncommon for people in that villager caste. And she was just generally above the way that she had been living. So she grew up in this caste, and she knew her life as a villager. But since being revived, she was just like, this is not how I'm supposed to be living. I don't understand how you guys can live like this. Um, eventually, she kind of learned to accept her life in the village with her husband and child, but she never really gave up her identity as Shiva. Uh, like I said, the guys writing this article, they worked their asses off, gathering as much data, interviews, and facts as they could to give an answer that wasn't paranormal. But the truth of the matter was that the only way that Sumitra could have gained all that information would have been through Shiva's family, and that just wasn't very likely. There was no connection between the two families at all. And she definitely couldn't have traveled, and all the information that she had of Shiva, of the deceased girl, are not public knowledge. They're not published anywhere. This, this is the 80s, so there wasn't any Facebook. Like There was just no way she could have had all the information that she did. But even the father of the, the deceased woman of Shiva said, he goes, the only way that you could know this is if I had come to them to tell them information and then you guys play it out. But I don't even know. I've never met this family before. So yeah, they offered up cryptoamnesia as a possible explanation, which is basically when you have amnesia and you wake up with a sort of different identity, a different, uh, way of thinking like as kind of like a different person but her life matched so perfectly to this other woman and that would have meant that Sumitra would have had to have had that information to Shiva prior to having been been pronounced dead they tried to write it off as a hoax but again because of the cast that they lived in they it's they didn't have the time <laughs> or money to perpetrate a hoax like this and nobody gained anything out of this it wasn't like anybody made any money because it's so common it's just kind of like okay well i guess she's possessed it's that's just how it is right now i guess um so no matter what answers they came to there was a paranormal element that they could not explain away and i thought that was interesting so essentially the, the first woman is dead her spirit no longer inhabits her body Mm -hmm. It's Shiva who inhabits the body of the first woman. So did the family that she was living with acknowledge that? Do you know? That the, the, the basically their daughter was dead and that they did witness her death and that now no. her body's just a vessel for another person? No, they, they still consider her to be... Um... Oh, gosh, why am I forgetting her name? I just said like 10 times, not Shiva, um, but Sumitra. They still consider her to be Sumitra, and they have to have, you know, Shiva's spirit combined with Shiva's, uh, with Sumitra's life at this point, you know. So were there still things that she remembered about her old life as well then? Not really. No. So, right. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. 
So um, it was a total replacement. Pretty much, yeah. Just completely uprooted into this new life, and she just has to learn to kind of live with it. Because her own children don't recognize her. You know, Shiva's children don't know who this Demetra woman is. And it's all very, very weird. And at the same time, the poor dad of Shiva, the, the woman who passed away, is trying so hard to get, like, put a case together to solve his daughter's crime. You know, but she doesn't have any good details on her death. She only has the details of who she was as, in life. So that didn't help anything. And it didn't help his case at all. <laughs> Well, there you have the, there you have, I'm sorry to be the cynic, but there you have the motive for um, making the whole thing up. Yeah, but it wasn't until roughly four months after she, uh, you know, came back with Shiva's personality that the dad even found out and, and went to them. Um, he'd heard a rumor like two months after she'd been revived, but just kind of went, all right, whatever. It's not that, it's probably nothing. Um, and then it wasn't until two months after that that he finally was just like, you know what, let's go check it out and let's go see what's what's actually happening here. He's playing the long game. <laughs> it's possible, but I mean, to no benefit, to really no benefit. But I just I thought it was it was a really was... interesting story. Yeah. Well, and it's it's a, it's a different perspective on it. You know what Definitely. I mean? So it's it's not that whole being possessed by the devil thing it's yeah. it's just fairly common to sort of pick up bits of spirits out there that was what i was hoping lovely. for <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like uh um opens up a whole new uh level of possibilities doesn't it really it's mm. not how it's not how we in the west view possession it's like a total body exchange like yeah. this you know, the possibility that your spirit could end up in a dead person if you were just happened to be floating by. Oh, ooh, there's a vessel for my a vessel, for my yeah. essence. I shall um, possess it. It kind of it has it, it has that sort of element that we we understand mediums can call spirit to them and 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 get them to temporarily inhabit their body the idea that they're just sort of like floating around in some kind of ether in which yeah. you can like draw them from the universal consciousness if you will um which is interesting because that i would believe in terms of if we are a simulation <laughs> you love that one i hate it I hate simulation theory. But it, it freaks me out. It. it explains it because if we are an ex, if we are a simulation, if we are in a um a computer program or whatever, or that there's some kind of you know universal consciousness that we dip in and out of, and that's where we get our 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 soul from, it would make sense that you could just either accidentally pick up somebody else's past life because it's like a previously played character yeah or that you might there's just an error and you've been given somebody else's it's got caught in a glitch yeah you get you know you, yeah you think you, oh, this wasn't my game like <laughs> what is this uh, i hate, this, I hate this simulation is... theory <laughs> but it makes me so uncomfortable <laughs> because it means that nothing is real 
Yeah, I know. I don't like it. <laughs> That's on your definition of reality. Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> wow. Anyway. So Just yeah, saying. I got a spooky story Just and like uh, is the devil. Yeah. Okay. Fair. All right. Cool. Okay. All right. So yeah, uh, if you like that. <laughs> So if you like that, if you have any cases that you would like to dis- us to discuss, we will gladly throw it onto our list, um, either cases of possession or any topics at all. We would love them. Please give them to us. Nobody's giving us topics, Danielle. No. Sons of bitches. No. And I say that lovingly. Uh, sorry. But still, like, come on, man. Give us give us some topics. Haunted shoes. Like, I don't know, any random thing that pops into your head, we will do our best to make an episode out of it. So please hit us up on our Instagram or Facebook or our Twitter, Zombie Fishbowl or Zombie Fishbowl Podcast. We are easy enough to find. You can also hit us up on our email if you have any anecdotes, stories, tales. Tell us about a moment that you got possessed. I don't know. Send it to our email, zombiefishbowlpodcast at gmail.com. I will absolutely do a mini-sode just talking about the things that you send me. Please. I encourage it. Also, like we mentioned in the beginning, please leave us reviews, stars, send out... Letters, pamphlets, uh, posters. <laughs> Spray paint them on statues. Yeah, graffiti. CF. Uh, yeah, zombie fishbowl. If somebody could graffiti zombie fishbowl podcast on something, I would be very, very excited. Yeah. Um, we're not endorsing that anybody do that. I want to make that quite clear. Do crimes for us, please. <laughs> <laughs> you decide which one was the truth and which one was the lie. <laughs> nice. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, should I do a quote, or do you want to pick us a topic first? We'll do random topic, and then you would do a quote. That's the format, it. Melanie. I don't know where I am. <laughs> it's all right. All I keep thinking about is stir fry. Ooh. Random topic picker. Random topic picker. You're a random topic picker, and you're gonna pick a topic. I keep trying to make it different, but it just sounds serial killers. Oh, how broad! It does, but it does say like sub, like serial killers. This is our favorites. Okay. So that's still quite vague, and I don't mm-hmm. know if you can technically have a favorite serial killer because they are pieces of shit. I mean, I do, but, you know. Ah. <laughs> well, I think that's why it says your favorite or most intriguing, because it's kind of like letting you off the, the hook in saying that you're saying it's your favorite serial color, but it's actually the one that you found the most intriguing. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, no, nobody actually likes the serial killers. They're just, you know, <laughs> fast. Some people do. Yes, this is true. Sick bastards. Yeah. To quote mm-hmm. Bailey Sarian, get better idols <laughs> yeah she got to come up twice today yeah i hope i hope that she notices she won't <laughs> sure. how cool would that be though <laughs> anyway so cool well, then yeah. she'll hear all the things i said about her jaw and she'll be self-conscious and i don't want her to do that because i like, didn't mean it that way. But she doesn't Being know me. Sarian, I think your jaw is crazy sexy. Yeah, that's, like, what? that wasn't what I was saying. 
Oh, and yeah, also, uh, sorry for my children screaming in the background uh, throughout this whole thing. I apologize. They are little demons. Yeah, I have no good excuse. They, they're just, yeah, they're possessed, but it's mm-hmm. okay. They're contained. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and so for my quote, I will end us on a quote from Chandrakanth Naktar, who wrote a book about Higgs boson. Science and truth are simple phenomenon of nature, but it is the known that is preventing us from mastering the unknown. I would disagree with that, but anyway. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's what stops a lot of it, but yeah, not all of it. It's it's not the kind of quote that sounds smart, but actually when you think about it, it's not. Yeah, if you want to be an asshole about it, God. It is the known which is stopping us from doing what with the unknown understanding the unknown mastering the unknown now i'm gonna have to call bullshit on that one (laughs) shout on my quote you asshole but if i always agreed with your quote melanie we wouldn't have such an amazing rapport this this is true, and this is not the first quote you shat on. So you yeah, know. and I fully expect you at some point to shit on one of mine, and you just <laughs> haven't because I'm just awesome and I get really good quotes. Yeah, I will admit I struggled a lot trying to find a quote. <laughs> Did you at some point just like Google like quotes? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Just googling quotes. quotes. On, on everything. I spent like a solid 45 minutes trying to find a good quote and it was just I was not having any luck. No, I just want to make it very clear that I'm not shitting on your quote. I, I, <laughs> I think that it was a perfectly fine quote. I thought it was applicable. We were talking about it's the science. and applicable, the... yes. Spooky. I am simply being contrary <laughs> for comic purposes. <laughs> Gotcha. Yeah, no, okay. I figured. <laughs> I'm, I'm in no way trying to insult your your quote seeking abilities or your <laughs> or your dedication to this podcast. But let's that. yeah, it's literally just for a bit of bants. No, I get it. I totally do. Because yeah, yeah, no, there's there's a lot to disagree with there. there is. <laughs> but it, it does sound like one of those quotes where you're like, oh yeah, 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 man, that sounds sharp. What? Are they fucking Wait, t- you're full of crap. <laughs> what? It's like something you say when you're stoned. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Totally. Sounds yeah. totally profound, and in your head you understand what you meant, but it's gone once you sober. <laughs> once once you sober up or whatever. So, anyway, it's fun. Yeah. All right. Well, I love you guys. Have a very safe and spooky and fun Halloween. Wear your masks and try not to get possessed by the devil. It might be a struggle, but I'll certainly try. Hold it back. Hold back those those urges. So we will see you next time when we talk about serial killers. And I can guarantee it's going to get gross. All right, everybody. Goodbye. Afadazin. Ta.